This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, we visit with former Stockton manager and current A's hitting coach, Darren Bush, who shares how he's working with hitters during the pandemic, his thoughts on the current A's lineup, and some stories from his time with the Ports in 2007 and 2008. We worked through a couple connection issues in this one, but it's a very fun conversation. Enjoy. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com slash easypass. The manager of the Stock and Ports in 2007, 2000, and 2008, and the current A's hitting coach, Darren Bush, joins us here on the Portside Pod. 2008, of course, the last time the Ports won a title in the Cal League. So, uh, Darren, we're, uh, thanks for joining me, first of all. But uh, we get to relive some good memories in Stockton. That was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun there. Had a lot of really good players that went on to have a lot of success. and You know, they, they played really well together. And that was the last time the Ports won a title, and, and I can't wait to get to some of those stories as, as we move along here in the, in the podcast. Like you said, though, you had some great – I'm looking at your roster. I mean, my goodness, you had, looks like, just about 10 big leaguers on that club. We did. We did, and not only did we have 10 big leaguers, but we had a lot of other guys that if things could have gone a little bit different for them, they would have made it also. You know, it's not hard. It's not easy to get there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even the guys that didn't make it, we're all really quality players and people, you know, and all, a lot of them have gone on to have success in other ventures in life. And, you know, I stay in touch with quite a few of those guys and they've all been successful, all doing well and, you know, all happy with where they're at. That's great. So, I mean, as a manager and, you know, I'm sure as, as, a, as a hitting coach now as well, like in your whole time in, in professional baseball, like when you're around these guys day in and day out, you, you get that type of relationship with them, don't you? Where, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you want to know how they do outside of baseball. You care about them as people outside of baseball. It's nice to hear you keep in touch with a bunch of them. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, you some guys you have for three, four years, you're not just investing in them as, as players, but, you know, you hope to invest in them as people and help them find their way. You know, they're at an age and a time in their life that they're trying to make things happen. They're, they're impressionable and they want, they want to have success. You know, so you, you, you touch on all aspects. You guide them as best as you can. And then, you know, you stay in touch with them. You want to know how they're doing. You want to know how things are going for them. And, you know, that's one of the things that makes it a lot of fun. What have you been doing during, the, during this break? I've been chasing kids, playing with kids, <laughs> spending a lot of time with the family. You know, with, with the way our schedule goes, you know, you only get to be home for four and a half months out of the year. So when you, you have a break like this, as much as you'd like to be playing, playing games and, you know, working with guys, at the same time, you need to take advantage of it with your family. We don't get a whole lot of family time. So yeah. we've been, you know, as a family, been doing a lot of things together and, spending a lot of time out on the water and, you know, just enjoying, enjoying being able to be together. I mean, that's the other side of the coin here, right? Is, is the, the time you get to spend with your loved ones. Cause I mean, especially for, you know, a guy like you and, 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 you know, folks that don't have family and I guess who don't spend the year round in the Bay area, 
I mean, you're, you're gone for six months. Yeah. I mean, we leave in February. I come back in October. Wow. Oh, the kids come out of school. They come out with, with my wife and we do the best we can. And we try to spend as much time together as we can. But, you know, when you have two places that you're trying to be, you've got school, you know, there's a lot of things that factor in. So when you do get a break like this is, you know, as bad as it is, as, as much as you wouldn't like to see it happen, you have to find the positive somehow. And we have, we've just spent just a ton of time together doing things and really, really just trying to take advantage of it in any way we can. Take me back to the end of spring training. Uh, what was that like? Because that, that all happened so fast. I mean, I was there. I was actually doing you guys' games, the two games leading up to that. Then, then you had the rain out against the Angels. And then there was supposed to be a game in, in uh, Glendale against the Dodgers the very next day. I know rain was still in the forecast a little bit, but that all happened so fast. So what do you remember about that? Exactly what you said. I mean, it happened fast. You know, we're in the coach's room and we get word that, hey, something may be happening here. You guys may be, we may be done for a little while. You know, mm -hmm. we got to prepare for that. Possibly Monday, we, we may be done. And then within two hours, it was back to us that, hey, you guys, spring's over. As soon as you want to get on a flight to get home, get home and just, you know, take care of your families because there's going to be a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it happened quick. I was in the coach's office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and by 9 o'clock at night, I was in the airport flying back to, back to Florida. Wow. So it happened very quick. Um, kind of a little bit of a shell shock to everybody and surely nobody thought it was going to be as long as it has been um you know everybody everybody took a little bit of break and then you know everybody was planning planning on just staying in shape and being ready to go at any given moment and then it's just kind of proceeded to you know reach this level I mean, you said it, it's, it's June, you know, it's, it's June. We're recording this on June 9th and we still don't have a, a, a feeling of, of, of when things are going to be back. Right. And even life in general, like back to normal, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. We don't, you know, my, we don't have any idea when it's going to, when we're going to be back, back playing ball. And, you know, it's still the same here. You're still keeping your distance and, you know, not really going anywhere, not going anywhere where there's a bunch of people and kind of, you know, just staying away, basically staying away and staying with your families. And, you know, that's just the way it is right now. I was talking to uh, Martin Gallegos a couple weeks ago, who covers you guys, obviously, for MLB.com. And, and he was, you know, touching on the kind of the, the mood or the feeling in the clubhouse during spring training coming off of back to back you know, 97 win seasons and, and the fact that maybe, hey, there's more in here. Uh, did, did you get that feeling being around the guys? Oh, there's no doubt. Guys, guys, guys truly believe, truly believe that we have the team to have and the, the environment was very positive and everybody was really excited to get the, get the season going and, you know, make a run because guys believe that we are good enough and that we have the talent to, to have a lot of success.
you can see it. I mean, you can see it the last two years. You can see it uh, in spring training. What about yourself, Coach? How, how did you get into coaching after you were done playing? You know, it was just kind of a natural fit. It was something I knew that I wanted to do when I was done playing. I knew I wanted to try to help people in any way, impact their lives, help them any way I could. Uh, I thought I would be coaching college ball, and then just one thing led to another, and I started playing, and some opportunities came up. Um, they worked out well, and then, you know, I got a phone call from the A's many years ago, and uh, it just happened to work out. And mm -hmm. I look back now, and it just seemed to fly by seem to fly by and you look up and I'm in Oakland you know coaching the best players in the world so it's been a lot of fun it's worked out uh you know way better than I could have ever dreamed of working out <laughs> I love that I mean what what would as a as a young coach or as a guy just coming out of, you know just finishing your playing career what what do you think you would have thought like if, if you knew that by the mid-2010s you'd be in the big leagues as a coach uh you know it really it, it doesn't change and for a young coach that's trying to get into it and, and they want to do it your values don't change your values mm -hmm. are the same mm -hmm. uh, you know it's about the player it's about helping them it has nothing to do with yourself it has you have to be selfless it's about helping them and helping them advance in any way possible and as long as you keep that attitude where you're focused on the right things you can have a lot of success, but if it becomes something where it's about you, your individual self, you're in for a long road because it is a very long road. And there is a lot of things that you have to do and sacrifice that are very difficult to do. And, you know, so as long as you're focused on the right things and you're focused on helping people, uh, you should be successful. Just like any job, right? I mean, as long as you're focused on helping people, and that's that's the crux of it. That is, it really is. You know, it's about it's about helping people. It's about helping people advance, helping people achieve their dreams. Um, and as long as you keep that mindset and you work with that mindset, you know, things things can tend to work out for you. How are you keeping in contact with guys right now? I mean, are you? You know, I mean, I know guys are are certainly hitting on their own, um, but you know, do you keep a, a constant stream of contact with, with guys you know will be in uniform with you whenever baseball starts again? I do. I do. You know, it's a, uh, early on, it was a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was probably in touch with them twice a week. Uh, now it's kind of backed up to where it's been about once a week. I've pretty much been in touch with just about everybody once a week. Some guys don't need to because that's just the type of people they are yeah. <laughs> they yeah. like to have their space uh, other guys you know you stay in a little bit more contact with them but you know we reach out we talk we text message back and forth they send me video uh, they keep me updated on what they're doing what they've been able to do uh, you know but yes we do stay in contact and they send me video and we chit chat and you know about basically all you can really do so I guess that answers my question. So they are, I mean, you're able to watch video and you're able to, that, that has to help you quite a bit. And, and from both parties, I guess, instead of just, you know, talking, that you're able to see what, what guys are talking about and maybe what they're working on. It does. I mean, there's, there's a few guys, you know, the newer guys um, 
that you I haven't worked with as much, um, but you know the guys Olson, Chapman, Pender, Semyon, mm-hmm. Davis, all these guys I've had them for a long time. Yeah. Um, so with them, they send me video, um, but it's more just okay. How do you feel? Are you getting your swings in? Because once we start going again with them, I've seen them so much that if they're doing anything different, it's easy to identify and easy to make the adjustment. And, you know, we can make those adjustments pretty quickly. Uh, With the newer guys, guys that you haven't worked with as much, you know, that takes time. And no matter how much video you watch, you've got to be in the cage working with them so you can get a feel for what they feel and then you can adjust to them so video does help um, but at the same time there's nothing like right being in the cage and you know working working one-on-one and getting the work in and getting some live pitching because you know no matter how much work you do in the cage you step on the field and you're seeing somebody throwing a fastball at you at 98 miles an hour everything's different how long does that take? Like when, you know, when you, when you do get a new guy, uh, how long does it take you to kind of get a feel for not just their mechanics and, and, but what they're trying to accomplish when they step in the box? Some guys is longer than others. I mean, some guys, some guys it's pretty quick. You know, you might have it, you might have it dialed in, you know, within two, three months, two, three weeks, other guys it may take two, three months, you know, because you know, when you're at this level, guys all know what they're doing and they've when you're getting new guys they've bounced around a lot so you know it takes time more to build that trust factor and take building that trust to where you can work together and you can get on the same page and try to accomplish things and you know it's always when you get a guy and you have him for for one year you know usually the second year it's a little better because you have a year's worth of time of building that trust and then another off season of building that trust. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's always, it's always good to get new guys, new blood, especially guys that want to get better because right. they're open to, they're open to do things, which is always good. How do you diagnose adjustments that, that need to be made? Like when you're looking at video or when you're, you know, when you're, when you're watching guy, when you're working with a guy in the cage, I, I guess it's probably different from, from guy to guy to guy. And especially when we talk about those two categories, guys you've worked with for a while and guys that you might be working with for, you know, the first few months or so, how do you diagnose? I mean, is that a conversation that goes on between you and the hitter? No doubt about it, because it's easy to teach a swing, right? But a swing doesn't hit. You have to be able to hit. So, you know, you can teach a guy a perfect swing and he goes out there and he can't have success. And then, you know, you make adjustments off of that because that guy may, may need to do things differently to have mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you diagnose the, the mechanical flaws is it's pretty, you know, it's not real difficult to do. A lot of it has to do with body type, different things that they need to do with their bodies in order to, to get them to do what you want them to achieve. And, you know, it just takes time. It just takes time of the guy, you know, been, has been doing something for years and you want him to try something that's just a little bit different that maybe is going to help clean up his swing a little bit. You know, it does take time for them to buy into, okay, 
you know, I'm making a change here and I'm trying to do it at the highest level. How much does you two having a mutual understanding of a guy's approach factor into those adjustments or those, uh, those issues we just talked about? That's huge. I mean, you need to know exactly what the guy is trying to accomplish. You know, what is he trying to do? Because if I'm trying to get him to do something completely different than what he's trying to do, you're just going to butt heads and it's never going to work. So, you know, you have to be dialed in on what they want to do. And, you know, majority of the time, it, you know, it's the way I tell them is, look, this is your career and this is what you want to do. Let me help you find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that usually, usually it takes them a little bit to, you know, understand that. But usually once they buy in, it's, you know, guys can make adjustments because they trust what you're trying to tell them. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that, like, I was talking about this with Bobby Crosby. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's something where coaching the individual comes into play where, you know, you, you, can't, um, you can't use a cookie-cutter approach to, to every single guy. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Not just there's, in terms of hitting, but, like, personality too, right? I mean, having that individual relationship is huge. Exactly. I mean, there's, there, every single person is different. Um, so there, is, there cannot be a cookie-cutter type approach to it. Every individual is different. Every individual's body is different. It moves differently. Um, and their mentality is different. So you, you have to have, you know, we, we talk about having a tool belt. You've got to have a tool belt with a thousand different ways to teach something to get what you want. And you have to mm-hmm. figure out which tool you're going to pull out of your belt to reach that player and to get him to do the things that we believe he needs to do to be more successful. And, you know, that's, that takes time because you cannot, there is not a cookie cutter type approach. Yeah. Wow. So a thousand different, I mean, how long does it take you as as a hitting coach to acquire a thousand different tools? I mean, I'm sure part of your answer is going to be that you're still kind of learning a little bit. You're learning all the time. Yeah. You're learning all the time. I mean, you have to, you have to adjust on the fly constantly. Um, you know, some guys need an in the face approach. Some guys need a, you know, a soft hand on the back, you know, everybody's different and you just have to, you have to try every different thing. You know, guys learn in different ways. You know, some guys are visual and they have to see it. Some guys are field guys. They have to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, there's just so many different things that go into, go into trying to help a guy have success. And, you know, if you try to cook or cookie cutter and you have one style, one technique, you're going to run into some trouble. It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year-end inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. In your mind, what is the, what's the strength of this A's lineup? That's top to bottom with depth. I mean... We're top to bottom, one through nine, whichever nine it is. And then you've got the depth on the bench. Uh, you know, we can beat you in so many different ways. Uh, 
you know, guys, guys understand what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and they work on their weaknesses, you know, and whether, whatever it may be, not just talking and hitting in general, just the game of baseball. Mm. And the strength of ours lineup is, is guys, one, we're, we're deep all the way through, you know, top to bottom, one through nine plus the bench. We guys play, they don't just sit, guys, guys play. And not only that, but guys are determined to prove that they're the best. And that is one of the biggest factors of the strength that we have is those guys want to prove that they're good. And when you get that, you know, all the way through your entire, entire group, that, that is a strong force. That's got to make you dangerous. Not just that, but that combined with the fact that in your answer, I kind of gleaned that guys are, you know, curious and passionate about continuing to get better. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. They, you know, I have to, there's times where I have to back these guys off on the hitting side and go, look, you're already really good. Let's just get better at what you do. You know, we don't need to reinvent, reinvent anything. We just need to get really good at what you do. So mm -hmm. sometimes you have to, you know, there's a, there's a sticky point to that because when you want to constantly be getting better, you just have to understand what you need to get better at. Yeah. And, you know, these guys constantly want to get better. And not only that, they hold each other accountable to get better. You know, they, they force each other to work to be better. And, you know, that's, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous combination. You know, it can lead to a lot of good, good things. Work, work, uh, work smart, not hard, right? Yeah, you work smart. It's a long season. <laughs> it's, when a normal season, you have 162 games, plus you have spring training. Yeah. It's a, it, you don't try to fix everything in one day. Try to build and progress slowly and build and progress. And don't, don't kill yourself because your body just won't hold up. So uh, let me ask you this. I mean, that – you know, guys having that confidence and wanting to prove how good they are, combined with that, like we talked about, that curiosity, that passion to get better, what, is, what does that do for younger guys when they get to spring training and they see a Matt Chap and they see a Matt Olson, they see a Chris Davis uh, with that approach to, to the game? Uh, what does that do for, for younger guys in your system? <laughs> it makes them realize really quick that you're, you're trying to take the job of – one of the best players in the world mm -hmm. and he works harder than anybody you've ever seen so what are you going to do to try to take a job basically and you know that makes those guys work even harder and makes them understand how you're supposed to conduct yourself and makes them understand what our team is about mm -hmm. and what our team believes and, you know, it's amazing how quickly guys buy into it and how quickly they start to improve and you see them play at a higher level. I can just imagine that's got to be a trickle-down deal because, you know, if I show up to the field and I see Matt Chapman, you know, doing those type of things, better believe that's – I mean, I'm going to try and do the same thing if I want to be great. No doubt. And, it, you know, it started with Marcus Semyon a few uh -huh. years ago. Yeah. I mean, this – he worked. He worked harder than any, any player I've ever seen 
to improve his game, improve his defense, improve his offense, and he's reaping the rewards. And guys, then you get, you know, you got Semyon doing that, and then all of a sudden you've got Olsen doing that, you've got Pender doing that, you've got Chapman doing that, everybody, you know, top to bottom, doing the same thing. And like you said, the trickle-down effect, the carryover is just amazing. I'm glad you brought up Marcus Simeon because I did have his name written down. Uh, it's just the transformation he's made, and it sounds like it's no mistake. I mean, his, his work ethic has been well-documented, but what are, the, what are some of the you know, approach adjustments, adjustments to his approach that you've seen with him at the plate from the time he arrived with you guys in the A's to now to make him an MVP candidate? Well, he understands way better that what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. what he's trying to do and he understands the importance of preparation he understands the importance of commanding the strike zone and you know he's always been a really good hitter but he has wrapped his mind around what it takes to be a really good hitter at the major league level and you know it's taken him time but he's a complete hitter he can use the whole field he can beat you with a single to right or a homer to center and that is from him being prepared and knowing what kind of approach he should have off of each individual pitcher and what he should be trying to do against each individual guy. You know, those, those are bats. They, they rack up quick. Yeah. You know, you look up and you're at 400 at bats. How many of those at bats did you let go by not being prepared and not knowing what kind of approach you should have had against the guy? Well, Marcus doesn't let any of them go. He knows exactly what he wants to do against every single guy that he's going to face. And, you know, a lot of times he'll get up there and he's facing a guy for the first time. Even though he's facing a guy for the first time, he's prepared. He knows what the guy has. He knows what the guy tries to do. And he's going into that at bat with a plan and an approach against that specific pitcher. Man, I can't imagine. Like, as a pitcher – you know, uh, going into not just a lineup, an entire lineup that seems like they grind you down like that, but in particular, you know, a leadoff guy that has a plan every single time, like you said, that doesn't throw it bats away. I mean, that's just got to wear the guy down. And it does, you yeah. know, and it, and it does. And that is the approach, you know, that is the approach one through nine is be prepared, know what they're going to do. Don't give away a single at bat, fight for every single pitch, every single swing and fight for everything that you get up there. Don't just go up there blind and hope you're going to, going to be prepared. You're going to fight and you're going to, you're, even if you get the two strikes, it doesn't matter. You keep fighting, keep grinding until he makes a mistake. And, you know, Marcus does that every single at bat he mm-hmm. fights. And when he, when he lets it on a bat go by his standards, he's not happy about it. And, you know, if it happens, it doesn't happen again for at least two weeks because if he lets one go, he, he remembers it. I'm not going to ask you to get into the labor negotiations or anything like that, Darren, but what, what would it like if we do have a 50-game season, what would that look like? How does that change things? You know, I, 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 that's a tough question to answer because I've always – my mentality that I've always tried to – talk about and and emphasize is every game you play is game seven of the world series so 
if it's 50 games, to me, we got 50 games that are the last game of the season, and you're playing with everything you've got to win that game. So, I mean, 50 games, 162 games, the mentality's got to be the same. It's we're playing to win the baseball game tonight, right now. And we're going to leave it out on the field. And then tomorrow we're going to do the same thing. So, I, you know, as what it would look like, you know, I, I, I can't say. It, it'll be quick. It'll be yeah. quick for sure. It'll be quick. But, uh, you know, I, I think our guys, our guys are prepared for something like that because their mentality is win every single time they step on the field. So, you know, whether it's 50 games, 80 games, 100 games, whatever it is, I would expect our guys to be out there playing that night on that day, playing for that game and winning that game. And, you know, they've proven that the last two years that that's the way they play. You know, we take a bad beat, we come back out and the next day and we come out and we win the game. You know, the guys are, do a good job of, of preparing for the day, individual day. So, you know, if it's 50 games, I expect the guys to go out there play hard for 50 games and look up and see where we're at. I love it. That's the day-to-day approach of baseball, right? That's right. Yeah. And hey, take me back to, to 2007 and 2008 in Stockton. What, what do you remember about your time, you know, with the ports? What's the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind is, like we talked about before, is just the quality of players that we had, not just talent-wise, but just the quality of people that we had. I mean – top to bottom, throughout, just everybody was just good people, good people who worked hard, that worked to, you know, just be better people all the way around. Um, So what sticks out to me is, yeah, we won the championship, and that was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun, Um, you know, especially, you know, doesn't happen often. So it was a lot of fun. But what stands out to me is just the group of guys and – the the camaraderie that they had amongst each other in the town you know Stockton's a good place I know that it can be a little bit rough at times but Stockton's a good place it has good fans yeah they're loyal they're loyal fans through and through you know and that those teams uh you know those fans supported us the whole time they supported us and they were there and they they came out for the games but just the group of guys and how they how they were together and you know the quality of the quality of person that we had you mentioned the fan what do you think that done for that does for a young player i remember talking to anthony aliotti a few weeks ago and he was telling me when i got to stockton like you know when i got to the ballpark and i saw the fans like that that was the first time it really felt like like professional baseball what do you think it does for a young player coming up through the minor leagues when they're able to play in places like Stockton and Las Vegas. And I know Midland uh, has a nice stadium and a good following. What does that do for a young player? Well, it's huge. I mean, Stockton has a storied history. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been around for a long time in the game of baseball. So when you, when you go into a town and you're playing in Stockton and you have fans that are diehard fans, not just, just in general baseball fans, they, they are there to root for the ports and they're there to see them win games and they stick with the players it means a lot to them because it's their first first real taste of you know like Aliotti said where he shows up and he's like wow this is what, what it's supposed to be like 
-hmm. And, you know, Stockton does a good job of doing that because the fans are definitely dedicated to the Stockton ports, which is a big thing. Let's talk about that 2008 uh, season. You, you had, so you finished 76 and 64 in the regular season. Uh, didn't win either half of the regular season, but you still make the playoffs. You beat Modesto two games to one. You beat San Jose three games to two and Lancaster three games to one. What do you remember about that run? Well, I remember about that run is the San Jose team. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were a good team. They were a real good team. And we beat them that last game, and we beat them in San Jose. And they had a lefty on the mound. I don't recall his name, but that lefty had beat us numerous times during the course of the season. And we, I don't think we had had any success against them uh, pretty much the entire year. And I remember speaking to uh, one of our coordinators or Lip, somebody saying, well, you got that lefty again, you know. He's, he's giving you guys a tough go about it. And I just remember telling Lip, I said, Lip, I, I, I think it was Lip. I said, Lip, I don't think much is going to deter these guys. They want to win. They want to beat this team. I said, it's going to be a good game. And sure enough, I mean, I think, I think we went out and scored six runs in the first inning or something and against that lefty. And we kind of poured it on them pretty good. And that, that game, that game really stuck out to me because those guys wanted to win that game. That team had, had had success against us during the course of the year. That pitcher had had a lot of success against us during the course of the year. And those guys just went out and their will to win was enough because they went out and they, they pretty handily beat that left-handed pitcher up pretty good that day. As a minor league manager, how, how do you balance development and winning? Maybe they're one and the same, but how, how, how's that balance kind of struck? Well, I've all, I always told the guys that, look, you focus on winning and I'll focus on development. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take work because I'm going to ask you to do a lot. Um, but I want you to play the game to win because I want you to have fun when you're not playing the game to win, you're not really having fun. You're just going through the motions of it. And, you know, so I always just told me, you focus on winning the baseball game and I'll focus on your development and we'll look up and see where you're at. And, you know, that's just the theory, the way that I've always believed it. And it was pretty successful. I mean, we had a lot of, a lot of winning, winning players and we had a lot of really talented players. And the guys always worked hard to be better. And, you know, so it's, there's no doubt the minor leagues is there to develop guys to become better players to reach the major leagues. That's what it's about. But at the same time, you're not going to get any better if you're not having fun. Yeah. So you've got to play and have fun. And as long as you're doing that, you're working to get better. And, you know, that's the, that's the theory, the way that we've, the way that I've always done it and the way that I've always asked the staff size with to do it. And, you know, it seemed to work out okay. Yeah, I'll say. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at this roster, right? We talked a little bit about the beginning. Chris Carter, Josh Donaldson, uh, Corey Brown played the big leagues. I uh, got on the pitching side. Trevor Cahill, Brett Anderson, Henry Rodriguez, Graham Godfrey, uh, Fautino De Los Santos. You know, it's, it's a long list, but one that stands out to me, and a lot of people I'm sure know this, but Sean Doolittle 
was drafted yep. as a first baseman. He yep. hit 305 with 18 home runs that year. What do you remember about Sean Doolittle as a hitter? Well, he can hit. He could hit. He could hit, and he could pick it at first base, too. Now, he, he was very good defensively. Um, but the one thing dude, dude did not like to do is catch pop-ups. <laughs> still, to day, still to this day, he talks to him. He wants nothing to do with a pop-up. But he could hit. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He knew how to hit. He had success. I mean, he, he even went into spring training the next year and had an amazing spring training and was making a push as a position player until the things that happened, you know, well-documented everything that he had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could hit now. Don't, don't. And he was a very good defensive first baseman. He was smooth. Unless the ball's in the air. <laughs> Unless the ball's in the air. Then, <laughs> then he would just turn to somebody else and say, you take it. <laughs> Which I'm sure, uh, you know, if you're ever watching a Nationals game, there's a pop-up on the infield around the mound. I mean, is he the first guy out of there? He's out of there. There's no doubt. <laughs> but, hey, he doesn't have to catch it. He just has to throw it now. That's true. Well, and, and especially in the Cal League, like at a place like Lancaster, I can't imagine what the wind does to a pop-up there. Oh, yeah. It's all over the place. Pop-up to the pitcher's mound ends up in center field at times. So, I mean, it was no easy task catching pop-ups. Luckily, we had a, we had a second baseman by the name of Mike Alfronte that played with him that was amazing defensively, and he loved catching pop-ups. So anything that went off, he was on it. I'm sure Sean was was more than willing to to concede and let him take it. More than more than willing to let him take it. <laughs> hey, so uh, I want to end it with this. Um, Bobby Crosby was named the manager of the of the Ports this coming year, and I got a chance to talk to him on this show and and just in general. And uh, I, you know, I mean, one I, one thing that just stood out to me is the passion he has for for the game and and teaching the game. What about Bobby Crosby makes you think that that you know, he's going to have success as a manager or as a coach in, in baseball in general, not just this year. Well, exactly what you said. I've talked to Bobby a few times, and he does have a lot of passion. But one of the things that, you know, stood out to me is what you said is he asks a lot of questions. He asks a lot of questions. So he obviously wants to learn, and he wants to learn how to do things differently, to have those tools in the tool belt that we were talking about you know and it's a building process and by asking questions you're putting a tool in your tool belt um so you know i'm sure bobby will really enjoy stockton and i'm sure guys will really enjoy playing with them playing for them because talking to a few guys that have been around him, he is very passionate and he's there to help and you know that's the biggest thing you got to be there to help and he he seems to have that trait. You, you, I, I think it's, it's interesting. We come back kind of the same theme when you're talking about your hitters is that curiosity to keep getting better. And it just seems like that's something that is present in the A system. And this is my first year kind of working in the ins and outs of it, Darren, but it's pretty apparent that it's something that's in the A system from the top all the way to the bottom and everywhere in between. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, that, that, that goes back to Keith Lipman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal man, and he is always pushing, for as long as he's been there, always pushing guys to explore outside the box. And don't be a cookie cutter. Explore outside the box. 
you know, don't be afraid to come up with new things, be inventive. And he's preached it for years and you see it throughout our entire system. You know, it's still amazing to me when I go over during spring training and I'm with all the coaches from over at the other side and listening to the things that they're talking about and the things that they're trying to do and just trying all kinds of new things. And, you know, that comes from, from the leaders that comes from the people that are asking them to, you know, asking them to be inventive, think outside the box. And it's always fun every year. It's always fun to hear the things that, that are being talked about and the things that are being said. That's how you build a winner, right? A consistent winner, a, a team that's, that's, that, uh, that is around just about year in and year out. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. That's how you do it. Well, hey, Darren, this has been so much fun, man. I know we've had some connection issues, but uh, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining me. It was, it was great to pick your brain. Uh, stay safe, and, and I hope we get baseball back soon. You do the same, and anytime, and, you know, have a great year, and hopefully we'll be playing ball pretty soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me, at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash stockton-ports. You can also visit the Ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.